Thank you for tuning in to Location Intelligence on Hexagon Radio. I'm your host, Justin Dinger. Over-the-road trucking is critical to how goods are transported around the world. It's also an important global economic driver. And while a majority of freight loads traveling on highways and byways meet legal truck size and weight limits, others don't. In this episode, I'm talking to Bruce Chaplin, Vice President of Transportation Solutions for North America at Hexagon, Rick Schulte, SafeHaul product owner and implementation manager at Hexagon, and Mark Nicholas, Director of Sales in the U.S. for Hexagon, about oversized, overweight freight vehicles. We'll discuss their impact on transportation infrastructure and how transportation authorities can address OSOW permitting and routing challenges. We'll also talk about transportation agencies already successfully using OSOW solutions to safeguard infrastructure and improve roadway safety. Bruce, Rick, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. It's good to be here. Thanks, Justin. Looking forward to the discussion. Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad to be here. Always love the opportunity to sit down with you all. Great. I'm glad to have you all. So, Bruce, let's start with you. You know, getting oversized, overweight vehicles and loads to their point of destination safely and without incident, it could be pretty complicated. What are some of the infrastructure constraints or challenges that freight carriers have to navigate? Thanks, Justin. Um, it's a great question, and, and you're right. It can be complicated. Um, if if I kind of start at a high level just to provide some context, you know, first and foremost, operating efficiently. Uh, this is a rig, really big deal to uh, to freight carriers, as it is for any business. You know, that's how they remain profitable, remain competitive in the, in the industry. Um, they need they need their trucks on the road moving freight, right? But at the same time, they need to account for these two additional factors. Um, the first being safety, uh, both of for their drivers, but also the traveling public. Um, that's a major priority for them. Um, but the second one is compliance. And so there's a lot of rules and regulations that govern, govern the uh, the commercial trucking industry. Um, simple example, you know, they need a permit to transport these oversized overweight loads. Um, and there's many other regulations, obviously, that they uh, that they comply with. So coming back to your question about the infrastructure, um, we're dealing with loads, obviously, that are abnormally large or abnormally heavily heavy um, or both. And so in, in moving these loads, and again, remember, carriers are trying to do this as efficiently as possible, they need to consider the route. And so at a very basic level, you know, are the roads along the route wide enough? Are there obstacles, maybe buildings or vegetation uh, that may limit the vehicle or the load? Uh, are there temporary lane closures, uh, maybe due to construction? Um, are there you know, bridges or tunnels along the route? And if yes, can I safely navigate them considering the size and weight of the vehicle load? And so these are all infrastructure concerns that need to be considered, not only by the freight carriers, but also by the state that's issuing a permit for the transport of the oversized overweight load. Thanks, Bruce. So trucks are out there, they're on the roads. Um, what happens if an accident happens? You know, and let me be a little bit more specific. What are the financial and safety impacts of, say, a bridge strike? And how do transportation agencies address this? So let me start another good question, Justin. Let me start with the safety issue. Um, so a bridge strike is obviously a huge safety issue, both for the driver of the truck itself, um, but also for other drivers and other users of the road. 
Um, so there's potential for serious injury, even loss of life in an incident like this. So that's obviously a huge concern. But then a bridge strike can also do significant damage to the bridge, right? So now we're kind of back to infrastructure. Um, and this is where transportation agencies come in. So they are responsible for maintaining, preserving our roads and bridges. And even if a bridge strike doesn't cause the bridge to collapse, um, it's it can still damage the integrity of the structure, right? And so this leads to a need for inspections and for repairs. Uh, there might be a need to reroute traffic, there could be traffic delays or congestion. Um, you know, bottom line really is that besides the potential for serious injury or loss of life, bridge strikes can have this pretty significant e economic impact, right, to the state or the city, often in the millions of dollars, um, a large portion of which ultimately affects taxpayers. So today, um, how do most transportation agencies help carriers navigate these oversized overweight vehicles and loads, you know, across their their transportation network? You know, is the current way of doing things effective? Um, why or why not? Yeah, so I mentioned a minute ago, right, the rules and, and regulations governing freight and in particular, the need for a permit for oversized overweight loads. Um, the permits are legislated and usually issued by the state or local jurisdiction. And so on one hand, it's up to the carrier to apply for a permit, you know, based on the size and weight of the load. Um, but then also the agency both to issue a permit, but also to enforce permits um, that specify the safe route right, for the vehicle. So what happens in practice, though, many agencies are still issuing these permits manually. And so this means, you know, the route needs to be determined manually, usually by a permit operator. All of this can cause delays, um, specifically for the freight carriers who are waiting for their permit and they can't move a load without a permit. Um, besides the delays, right, which obviously can lead to kind of dissatisfaction with the carriers or, or potentially just a slowdown of economic activity um, within a state, there's still some danger to the public and to the infrastructure. So. If you're issuing these permits manually, you know, there's always, when you're doing things manually, there's a possibility for error. Um, it's just that much more difficult to consider all of the data needed to really determine a safe route. Wow. I, I, I didn't really realize that so many um, transportation authorities out there were still doing this process manually. And I, I would think with all of the traffic uh, that's out there on the roads at any given point, um, that's a pretty big backlog some of them have. Um, so, you know, what's your take, you know, how can transportation authorities kind of improve upon what they're currently doing? Like, how can they get away from having to do this manually and maybe missing certain data that's critical to getting those oversized, overweight loads safely across their network? You know, the biggest improvement, Justin, Justin that uh, the states can make is, is to automate the permitting process. Right, and it has all kinds of advantages with it. One is obviously just the throughput, improving the uh, the turnaround time to issue a permit. Um, but it also really allows the state to integrate data from different systems that allow them to safely select a route. Um, so, you know, it all becomes kind of algorithmic, if you will. So it includes the evaluation of the route. Uh, there may be bridge analysis that's needed. Um, there may be other parameters, right, that come into play. Um, to affect moving freight safely through the state. Um, and so once they move to an automated system, there's really two main advantages, right? We, we, we see with states that have done so. 
um, as I mentioned, huge gains in efficiency, right? Improved turnaround for issuing permits to carriers. That typically leads to happier customers, right? Happier freight carriers, which may be more likely to move freight through a specific state, um, but more importantly, safer routes and protection of the infrastructure. Thanks, Bruce. So Rick, let's move to you. I know you work extensively with SAPAL from a develop and implementation perspective. For transportation and agencies and carriers, you know, what are some of the benefits to automated permit issuing and route planning? So, Justin, uh, as Bruce mentioned a little while ago, the, you know, uh, the, the process that some of the states used in the past, the manual process, uh, you know, they're switching over to an automated process. So there's benefits both to the state or jurisdiction and to the carriers. Uh, let me talk a little bit about from the state side. So one of the big advantages is uh, management of processes. So in the past, you know, when this was a manual type process, uh, you know, you had people making decisions and they may or may not make decisions uh, in the exact same manner. So, uh, you know, you had some inconsistencies there. Uh, now with the ability to automate those manual processes, uh, the system's doing a lot of that work and it can, can do it consistently. And what it allows the states then to do uh, is to take their human resources and, and focus more on the tougher, more difficult loads. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see year after year is that <clears throat> things, uh, loads particularly, uh, are increasing in size, both from a size perspective and from a weight perspective. We've seen permits that are over a million pounds. Uh, you see windmill farms and whatnot. So, you know, the blades are getting longer and longer. I and mean, we're talking 150, 160 foot length blades that they're trying to move on on roads and whatnot. So some of these uh, analysis processes are, are relatively difficult. So, uh, you know, the state agencies can allow their, their folks to focus on those types of loads. <clears throat> Another benefit for the state or an advantage for the state is it allows them to create uh, safe routes using the latest restriction data. So there's, you know, changes going on all the time, uh, whether or not there's bridge inspections or changes to roadway. Uh, those types of information or those pieces of information provide input into the system and help generate the route, uh, you know, especially a safe route. That's the key there. Uh, Bruce kind of touched on the, the capability of performing automated bridge analysis. So Again, that was another one of the, the issues uh, or complaints from carriers is that, you know, hey, I submit a permit application and it takes three, four, five days to get uh, my result back. And, and automating these systems allow uh, a, a quicker turnaround for the state. It, it takes the bridge engineers away from their desks, sitting there trying to look at permits and figure, figure out whether or not it could go across a bridge uh, and lets them focus on, you know, actually bridge inspections and, and other types of bridge activities that they can do on a day-to-day -day basis. And then finally, you know, from a, a state's perspective, it gives them uh, detailed geographic data on where loads travel. And again, Bruce kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, the various state agencies, uh, you know, looking at where I need to focus road projects, where do some of these loads go and what impacts do these loads have on my, on my infrastructure? And, and how often do I need to inspect or update those pieces of infrastructure? So those are some of the things from uh, the jurisdictional perspective. But 
from a carrier's perspective, and again, Bruce summed this up very well, you know, the carriers are out there trying to to move loads. They're trying to do it quickly and efficiently. Uh, you know, a lot of their revenue is based on how quickly they can turn things around. So an automated system gives them 24-7 access. Uh, it's no, no longer the, you know, the, the time where you submit a permit between eight and five, and that's the only time you get it because that's when the agents are in the office. Now I can submit permits in the evening, I can submit permits on the weekend and get permits uh, and move loads during those times as well. So it, it opens up the door for you know, more opportunity to, to take advantage of movement uh, and, and get uh, products to their customers. Uh, another advantage for the carrier is you know, these automated systems allow them to combine state and local type permits. Many times there's the carriers are moving, uh, you know, loads through states or to destinations in states and, and they have to get into a particular locality. And, and some of these lo localities require permits. So carriers were always submitting a state permit and then also submitting one or more local permits if, if the locality required that. And that automated process allows them to, to do that once and get permits and, and make that whole process uh, you know, more efficient and easier for them. And, and one of the things that we're noticing too from a statistical perspective, uh, and that affects the carriers, is that we're seeing an automated approval rate of almost 70%, maybe a little over 70% for permits now. So the manual process that Bruce was talking about, you know, involved a ton of resources and especially some of the, the larger states where they're, you know, doing 250, 300,000 permits per year. Uh, if they had manual intervention uh, in all of those permits, you know, that's a that's a pretty, pretty hefty manpower effort there. And if we're you know, auto approving 70, 80% of those permits, again, that gets back to that point where we can focus on uh, more complex loads and leave the easier loads for the system to to figure out there. Rick, let me back up a minute because earlier in, in, you mentioned um, restriction management and road restrictions and when it comes to creating a, a route. So I know that Safefall has a restriction manager module. You know, could you maybe talk a little bit more in depth about that and how? a transportation agency would typically use it? Sure, uh, great question. The restriction module is you know, basically the heart of the operation as far as infrastructure is concerned. So the uh, SAFEHAL restriction module, for example, focuses on two types of, of restrictions. We call them permanent restrictions and temporary restri restrictions. A permanent restriction, a perfect example of that would be maybe a vertical clearance for a bridge. So the system consumes data electronically and or manually. Uh, typically bridge data we consume electronically. So we take the bridge inventory, we look at vertical clearances and we load those into the system for, for vertical clearance type uh, restrictions. So, you know, imagine you're using uh, let's just say Google to try and plan your vacation, right? Well, you're in your car and Google tells you you go from point A to point B and 
it gets you there and it don't have to worry about the size of your car. It's you're just a, you know, legal type vehicle moving there. Uh, but in the oversized overweight business, we have to take in consideration uh, the dimensions of that vehicle along with the weights to see if it can get under a bridge and whatnot. So uh, we uh, have to consume vertical clearances. We have to know the heights of various things, uh, signs and lights and wires and all that kind of stuff to uh, you know make sure that we can get a truck through. Uh, so, and we use Restriction Manager to do that. So a lot of that data is stored in Restriction Manager. The uh, other type of restriction we call temporary restrictions. And these would be things such as construction or if there was an accident or even during the holidays. Uh, you know, one of our, our customers uh, actually closes parts of the city for various festivals and stuff like that. So uh, uh, they can use temporary restrictions to do that. And the benefit of the restriction manager is that all of these restrictions are applied directly uh, to the routing module. So a carrier in real time going out can, when they apply for their route, those restrictions that potentially impact that route uh, are displayed for them. And, and we have processes that avoid those restrictions. So, you know, they're not driving into that and and being stuck and then having to try and figure out how to get that load out of there. Uh, and, and to kind of take this a, a little, this discussion a little bit further, uh, one of the benefits of the combination of the restriction manager and the route planner is, you know, what happens if, you know, Rick's trucking buys a permit and I want to move next week and the state decides to do construction in the middle of my route. Well, I've already got my permit. The, the system has the intelligence built into it to say, hey, you know, we've got all of the geographic data. We know exactly what route segments are, are being used and what route segments have restrictions placed on them. And uh, I can notify the, the, or the system can notify the carrier and let them know, hey, there's a restriction on your route. We need to uh, alter your route just to make sure that you get through so you don't get stuck and whatnot. So a lot of things go on in the restriction manager. Uh, very uh, complex from a processing perspective, but easy to use from a user perspective. And again, uh, I guess some of the big takeaways are that, you know, we can consume data electronically. So 511 systems, various bridge systems, like that, the, the restriction manager consumes that. But then we also have a, uh, a real nice user interface that allows authorized users to go in and uh, enter restrictions such as construction restrictions or accidents, things like that. It sounds like there's a lot going on there, Rick. So let me let me ask you this. You know, organizations love reporting and analytics. And so uh, what type of reporting and analytics does SafeHall provide to agencies? And, you know, how can they use those reports to improve OSOW permitting and routing processes? So great, great question there, there Justin. Uh, the system supports uh, a number. We have, as part of our system, a number of standard reports uh, that we provide. And, and on top of the reports, you know, one of the things that we forget about is query capability. So the system also has a really robust query capability so I can do real-time queries in, in the data and whatnot. But, you know, getting back to the reports, I guess the easiest way to break it down is we've got 
two major types of reports in the system. So we've got financial reporting, which is all your day-to-day, -day, weekly, monthly, year-end finance, all of the monies received and what it was received for, types of payments, all the way down to a, a, a detailed financial transaction journal, you know, uh, what was bought, uh, what was deferred, and what will be invoiced at the end of the month, so reports that cover all of those. But then on the flip side, and more specifically toward your question, we have a number of management information reports. And those types of reports give managers and give state uh, users an idea of what kind of counts. What type of permits are we, we issuing a lot of? Are they you know, oversized or overweight? Are we getting a lot of container? What type of industries are we getting into our state based on uh, you know, some of the, the permits that are coming in or traveling through the state? Uh, those reports, again, provide counts and volumes, but it also helps with uh, restriction data. Uh, they can actually look at and do some planning and say, hey, if we're going to start a couple of construction projects and we put construction restrictions at point A and we put construction restrictions at point B and at point C, what will that do to our commercial traffic, especially our oversized overweight loads? Uh, you know, we had an incident, there was a write-up that we saw uh, a while ago and again, kind of deviating from the subject a little bit, but uh, you know, we had an agency, a couple agencies where they weren't really talking with each other. And we had, uh, or I shouldn't say we, but one of the state agencies built a roundabout uh, on a major oversized overweight thoroughfare, but didn't even take into consideration uh, the size and weight vehicles. Well, they had uh, got that thing complete and it wasn't a, a week or two later, a uh, big long load tried to get through and couldn't get through and uh, were, was stuck there and they had to basically take the fountain out of the middle and redesign the whole thing. So uh, information that we provide, you know, gives uh, uh, various agencies or some reporting and gives agencies the ability to see what's happening and where these loads are going. And also uh, the planning departments. I think Bruce touched on this a little bit as well. Uh, we have detailed location data, and again, all the detailed permitting data. So they can, from a planning perspective, they can see what impacts some of these loads are having on their uh, road network. And, and from a, a planning view, see where I need to focus resources uh, on on upgrading or updating my network because uh, to handle the the various loads or an increase in loads, things like that. Mark, I know that we already have customers successfully using Safehall. Can you talk about how some of those agencies use um, use Safehall, and what have some of the what have some of the results been? Sure. So I, I think, Justin, for all of the agencies that have implemented our system, um, I think across the board, they, they see improvements in probably four main areas. Um, the first area is the ability to generate safe, efficient routes, you know, based on road classification and bridge data, you know, regarding height and weight specifications and, and even current temporary restrictions due to construction and other considerations. And, and Bruce and Rick have kind of discussed that uh, very, very well. Um, the next area is probably the ability 
to, to expedite the routing and permitting requests um, through the improved workflows and business rules. And Rick kind of touched on that really well, describing the people resources needed to do it, you know, the old fashioned way versus the way that it's being done today. Um, the third area is uh, because those workflows and business rules are embedded in the automated system that eliminates human error, um, which is an important aspect. And then probably finally, um, our system greatly reduces the training time for new permit office personnel and makes them more productive sooner. You know, historically, agencies have done this kind of task manually and have kind of honed their craft, and I'm doing air quotes since we're, uh, you know, virtual, um, over many years of service. And their ability to train the next generation of permit agents in the same way um, is really not economically or even culturally, culturally viable, you know, as we have uh, Gen Xers and things moving into the workforce and, and uh, you know, not wanting to have to sit there and uh, draw pictures on maps and things like that. So I think the ability to have an automated computer system is very beneficial. Um, you know, one of our uh, client DOTs actually is experiencing significant turnover in their senior staff due to retirement. And um, they also happen to be one of the largest issuers of permits in the United States, um, probably doing close to 300,000 permits a year. And their ability to remain business ready relies on their automated permitting and routing system. So tell me this, Mark, you know, as someone who talks to a lot of agency officials and leaders, um, what are some of the biggest challenges they face and how does having to also manage OSOW vehicles and loads affect those challenges or compound their issues? Yeah, so I think it's probably the same as with all pu public sector organizations, right? Their biggest concern is how do we accomplish our mission with limited funds and will my investment that I'm making today stand up to future needs and changes? So now you add the traveling public to the mix, you know, you and I uh, wanting to travel the highway as quickly and, and hopefully as safely as possible. Um, on top of that, we have a trucking industry that needs to share those same roads and bridges. And, you know, they're working to protect their employees and equipment while remaining profitable. You know, all of this happening against a backdrop of federally mandated safety regulations. It has real significance to, you know, the federal funding, which is a major source for many of the state DOTs. So it's a very dynamic and complicated environment. And it's one that, you know, our oversized overweight permitting and routing is a significant component in the tool set to help solve those issues. And Bruce, I know you also talk to a lot of agency officials. What's your take on this? So I, I think along the lines, um, Justin, of what, what Mark says, you know, transportation agencies, like many of the businesses out there, right? They, they have limited funds. Um, limited resources um, this year, especially, for example, right, gas tax and, and revenues and, and across many of the transportation agencies are down. Um, and so agencies are having to find ways to do, you know, more with less budget and, and less staff. And so on one hand, you know, Mark spoke about their mission, right, maintaining infrastructure, uh, the roads and bridges. And we know from, from studies that much of the infrastructure is aging and requires investment. Um, but then, as Rick mentioned, right, we're also dealing with an increase in freight. Um, the size and weight of loads is increasing. Uh, the number of loads is increasing. And so agencies we talk to, are, they're just really looking for ways to respond to these challenges, right? And, and automating permitting is, is, is just one way they can do that. Um, 
maybe one more point, um, especially this year, you know, COVID-19 has really put additional pressure on these agencies. And so you think about, you know, agencies trying to keep business going as we went through, you know, shutdowns and, and people, you know, businesses and, and agencies moving to remote workers and so on. And so agencies that had manual processes, right, they really need people in the office to perform these functions. Um, and so that's obviously been very challenging um, over the past nine months. And customers with automated processes that, you know, I think in general, were able to make this transition to remote work just a lot more seamlessly, a lot better than others. It sounds like there's a lot of digital transformation going on um, or the need to start thinking uh, more digitally. It, it so, is exactly that, Justin. Yeah. So, Mark, you know, when you go out and talk to transportation departments and agencies about Safefall and demo its capabilities, you know, what are their reactions? What do they say when they get to kind of look under the hood and um, just see what it can really do? So, I would say generally it's very favorable, but it, it varies kind of depending on what perspective they're coming from and what systems or processes that they've used in the past. I would say without exception, though, that they're always very impressed to see the routing feature of the SafeHall platform and, and also the fact that it has a very robust modular structure. Um, we even have DOTs that are you know, wanting to ingest real-time weather data um, and connected vehicle data as part of the system to change a route, you know, if there's a weather event or some other, you know, uh, event impacting the roads or the bridges. So I think the fact that, you know, the, that safe, the SafeHall platform is not an all or nothing system. Um, you know, it has a certain modular uh, feature to it and some agencies have already, you know, invested in a permitting system and, you know, they don't want to abandon that investment. But we can provide the routing engine in concert with that system and, and protect that investment for them. And, you know, kind of going back to my previous comment about available funds, I think they see it as a as an additional tool set that, you know, does not overwhelm uh, the investment they've already done, but but rather adds to that in a really uh, good way for themselves. And Rick, what do you hear from prospective customers when you demo SafeHall? So Justin, I love demoing the system to uh, customers. I can sit and talk about it for hours and hours. And, and, you know, one of the benefits, especially when we are in booths at conferences, uh, you know, we get to show the system to and talk to not only our typical state client, but the carriers that use the system. Uh, and, and, and to me, and I know that holds true for the rest of the team, you know, the, the best best source of information is is feedback from them you know i always look forward to constructive criticism and 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 what the system can do so you know some of the things that we hear about and we have to react to and respond to and plan for uh you know customers talk a little bit about their short-term and long-term transportation plans and uh kind of give us feedback on how the system may or may not meet those needs so it gives us some opportunity to design and build some new features in there. Uh, but, you know, we also get feedback on on how does the, the system utilize data from other sources to, you know, create a better user experience. Uh, we get to hear about some process improvements. You know, we do things this way or uh, we'd like to see things done that way. So, you know, it gives us an opportunity to hear a little bit about the, from the folks that are in the trenches, you know, things that might make their life a little bit easier, which kind of leads into, you know, my next point, 
And that is, I like to always just say, you know, straight out, what are your pain points and, and how can I make that better for you? So, you know, I know you use the system. I know that you, you like it, but, uh, you know, if there's any kind of issues that you run into or any kind of pain points, you know, what are they? And, and describe that process a little bit for me so I can try and come up with a, a method or a way to, you know, address those pain points. And then, you know, another thing that we, we didn't really talk too much about today, but, uh, you know, it comes up often is, is you know, again, trying the state's trying to be smart about how they use their resources and, and getting away from this silo approach. So we get questions about, you know, how can your system be expanded to address other agency type permits? So, you know, there's hazmat, there's all different types of permits that get issued other than oversized overweight, but we've got, you know, the key fundamentals and key basics, you know, customer information, permit information, and then workflow information about being able to process and pay and issue, issue some sort of document. So get feedback from that. So love going to the conferences, love talking with folks. And, and getting input on the system. And I think, you know, talking to different agencies and at least making them aware of the data and, and what, you know, the system contains, it's just, just another way to get good feedback. Um, Mark, I know you have a very close relationship with many of our transportation customers. Why do they decide to invest in SafePal? And what do they tell you about it, you know, 12 to 18 months after it's been implemented and it's up and running? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, Justin, that's the best part, right, is the relationship that that grows out of that process. Uh, you used the term uh, digital transformation earlier, and indeed, that's a journey, right, for all organizations. And I think we, you know, through that process, we get to partner with our clients, and, and then we begin to earn, you know, the role of a trusted advisor. Um, of course, there's always legislative changes that take place, you know, affecting the trucking industry and the need to address those. And sometimes those happen really quickly. And, you know, our team has been very, um, has, a, has a great track record of, of dealing with those and, and responding to those. But I think more to your point, you know, the agencies really enjoy the ease of the, the system and, are, and find new ways to improve their own workflows, you know, even, even more. Um, I remember not long ago, um, we were at a permit office uh, that had gone live a few months prior, and um, they had experienced their first national holiday after going live, and of course the office was closed. And when they came in on Tuesday, they were amazed that they had several hundred permits that had self-issued you know, over the holiday using you know, the restrictions, using the, the workflows, using all the data that's available to them and, and you know, those permits uh, and routes were self-issued. And I know it's kind of a simple task, but I will always remember the surprise and satisfaction, you know, that they felt and was, you know, visible on their faces um, when you consider how they used to issue permits and routes. And, you know, it was just one of those really cool high five moments that Rick and I got to share with them when we were there and just celebrate, you know, that win. And they've gone on to do all sorts of other permits and all sorts of other workflows, and it's been a, a great journey. So I think, you know, for, for me, uh, as, you know, kind of the account lead and helping uh, keep those relationships strong and moving forward, it's been very satisfactory. Sounds like some people actually got a chance to enjoy their weekend and their holiday for a change instead of exactly. being stuck can in you, the office. Yeah. Can, 
can you imagine what that must have felt like before on a you know the Sunday and you're thinking, oh, I got to go back to work on Tuesday, and oh my gosh, what am I going to be seeing when I walk in the door? And uh, yeah, it's really changed the culture and environment within the permitting office. It's been really a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like nobody's hoping that they don't draw the short straw in in that situation. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Um, Bruce, you know, is there anything you'd like to talk about or, you know, any parting thoughts you'd like to share as we start wrapping up this podcast? I think, Justin, you know, so if we kind of boil the, the themes up, right, we've spoken a lot about uh, the carriers and the transportation agencies and, and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but kind of at a high level, I, I sort of see the two key themes, right? One's around safety uh, and the other is just preservation of the infrastructure. Um, and so maybe in closing, I'll just I'll just mention kind of at a broader level, you know, although much of today's conversation has been in the context of um, safe passage of, of oversized freight, um, Hexagon also works with transportation agencies and engineering companies, other businesses on other aspects of safety and infrastructure. So things like maintaining the road networks, right, capturing and maintaining roadway inventory, um, even solutions for roadway safety management. Right, Many states have... Um, key initiatives around reducing traffic fatalities, for example, um, and Hexagon is helping these organizations to do so. Rick, same question. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I'd like to bring up, you know, or at least talk a little bit about, we, we talked, you know, we're kind of focused on the infrastructure today, but, uh, you know, this is a system that I'm really proud of. Like you mentioned earlier, I've been involved in it for, for quite the, the time and, and I think one of the advantages that we have is, is that it's a modular system. So we've uh, had installations where we've partnered with other companies and deployed some of our modules, and we've done installations where we've deployed our complete package. So uh, some advantages, you know, to to using Hexagon as opposed to using other vendors is that you know you can. Uh, have bits and pieces of the system installed and work with other vendors uh, as well to deliver the solution that you know that particular customer needs. Uh, another thing too that we you know we kind of touched on or let's say skirted around on the outside was the uh, uh, technology aspect of it. So you know there's technology improvements that are going on from you know how the system. Uh, what it performs on and what it uses, uh, you know, we're looking at and, and, and examining putting this up in a hosted environment, but then also taking advantage of some of the other technology out there. I know Bruce talked a little bit about some of the transportation functions that we do. We have a, a sensor division and, and we talked to them about, you know, how can we consume data from uh, roadway sensors, you know, we hear the, the the old buzz terms automated and connected vehicle. And we know that automated vehicles are, you know, a few years down the road, but our our vehicles today are, are talking to, uh, you know, a number of sensors on the roadway. So how can we leverage that data and, and make some smart decisions and make more real-time decisions for carriers just to make their life easier? So, you know, again, leveraging some of that technology and 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 seeing how it plays with this environment, I think, is uh, one of the things we want to keep continue to drive for. Mark, how about you? Uh, I guess just to wrap up, Justin, I would I would encourage folks to engage us in a conversation. You know, whether it be permitting and routing, or whether it be safety, or whether it be other transportation needs. I 
You know, at the end of the day, um, we've got really great technology and, and great experience in the transportation space. And, and that we just want to be helpful and we want to, you know, discuss ways that we might be able to do that. Um, you know, Rick talks about his enthusiasm and the fact that he could talk about, you know, permitting and routing all day long. Um, that's true. He, he, you know, he brings a great enthusiasm and, and uh, experience and point of view to that conversation. Um, and we have other other product and subject matter experts that do the same across a you know, vast array of subjects. And so, you know, my job is to help foster those conversations and try to um, set those up. And, and, you know, we're not one of those organizations that's coming at people with hard sell and stuff. We really just want to have conversation and figure out where we're helpful and engage where that th those things intersect. Um, and if they don't, if it's not the right mix, then, you know, that's okay too. No harm, no foul. But I, I think to have the conversation is just a really good starting point. And I would just encourage people to, uh, to engage us at that point. Mark, you and Bruce have both mentioned some of the transportation uh, safety stuff we have, and I would love to have you guys back on to kind of talk about that and uh, the Vision Zero things that we're working on. Um, would you guys be interested and open to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's an important, you know, concept, and and it's it's it, it touches just about everything that we as the public and the transportation, you know, industry faces. It's it's a very uh, interesting. Uh, conversation for sure. Yes, Justin, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we're working with a, a number of different agencies um, on specifically that. You mentioned Vision Zero and, and Target Zero and Target Zero Deaths. Um, such a noble mission. Um, obviously, a huge challenge in you know making our roadways safer, not just for um, vehicles on the road, but also pedestrians and cyclists and and other users of the road. Um, and so it's it's a really a huge deal, um, not just in the US, um, in Canada, other parts of the world. Um, so it's also an, an area that we love to share more about what we're doing. Um, and as Mark says, you know, engage with uh, organizations that are looking to do work in this area and just see if there's areas that we can help. I would just like to say a big thank you to Bruce and Rick and Mark. You know, I do look forward to having you guys back on Location Intelligence to talk more about how we serve the transportation industry. Excellent. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having us, Justin. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you for tuning in to Location Intelligence on Hexagon Radio. For more great stories and podcasts, visit hexagonspotlight.com.